Well, good morning, Tri-Cities Church. Before I get started, I said this to the team this morning. Um, I'm going to need y'all to do some real praying. There's a serious issue that's going on uh, in the state of Georgia, and that is the weather does not know what it wants to do. And so I know I got some prayer warriors. I need y'all to pray that Georgia decides to make up its mind. Is it winter or is it spring? Because your boy is confused. I had a shirt out this morning. I had to break out the sweater. I'm confused, God. I need you to do something. Because you said that God is not the author of confusion. And so I, didn't, I don't believe in this confusing weather. If you're just joining us, my name is Lamar, one of the pastors here at Tri-Cities Church. We understand there are plenty of awesome places for you to worship, but we are thankful that you chose us. And so I'm going to ask you to do me a personal favor. There's something in your seat or in the seat in front of you, and it's called a connection card. If you'll fill that out, give us some information about yourself. Uh, let us know also, even if it's not your first time, how we can pray for you. Because every Monday, the staff and the prayer team and the elders, we send those prayer requests around and we make sure that we're praying for you. If this is your first time with us, we are in week three of a series that we're calling Seven. And Seven is basically a series about questions. It's seven questions that will change your life. We started this off three weeks ago by saying that oftentimes Jesus didn't answer a question with an answer. Most of the time, I did my research, and again, I might be uh, a few times off, but I could only find three times where Jesus directly answered a question with an answer. That most of the time when Jesus is asked a question, he always asks a question back. As a matter of fact, we said this week one, that's how Jewish rabbis were trained, that they asked questions to get us to ask questions of ourselves. And I know I get it. All of us have questions for God, and you should, and God is a person that you can take all your questions to, but the question is, what happens when God has a question for you? What happens when it's not just about the question that you have for God, but what happens when God wants to ask us a few questions? And so we started off uh, three weeks ago talking about seven questions that will change your life. And so um, I'm going to do a little bit more than I've done in this series because in the last two installments of this series, we just kind of jumped right into the question and there really wasn't a whole lot of context. I didn't read a whole lot of other scriptures other than the question, but this one is so big that I think we're going to have to do a little bit of Bible study this morning. So get your pens out. We're going to burn them up because there's some stuff i got to give you that leads up to this question because it kind of makes sense when you understand the whole context. So let me just start here. Um, most of y'all know this. I said this um, to some of you that last year I turned uh, 40. And so 40 is like the age, right, where everyone tells you when you get 40. As a matter of fact, uh, we kind of just live life by ages and stages, don't we? It's like when I get 21 and, or when I get 18 or when I get 25 or when I get 40. And I hit 40 and I realized that it's really not all that I thought it would be. Like I was waiting for that age. And that's because we sort of live life by ages. Even if you look at history, we've tended to break up things into the age of something, right? So you remember this from school, all the people who went to class, unlike me, you remember uh, the Stone Age, don't judge me, God was still working on me back then. So you remember we learned about the Stone Age, you remember that? And then there was the Bronze Age and the Iron Age, and some of these I just made up. Uh, there was a the Dark Age, I think that was something like the Medieval Times, the Middle Age, and then the Industrial Age, right? We kind of mark things by the age and the time that we live in. And so I thought about, you know, we had the technology age and the rise of technology. What age are we kind of living in now? What would that be? It's not the Bronze Age. It's not the Industrial. It's not, it's not the medieval times. It's what, what can this age, what does this generation 
What can we be known by? And, and here's what I discovered. Um, this age that we live in, I, I feel like, and maybe it's just my opinion, we live in the age of outrage. Like, have you noticed that we live in the age of outrage and the age of offense? Like, everybody's mad about something. Have you noticed that? Like, everybody's angry. Have you, have you, am I the only one who knows that? Like, we're just mad all the time, like a bunch of pit bulls running around, just angry, attacking each other. Like, we can't even be cordial online. We can't be cordial at work. Everybody's mad. I hate to say it, while these other ages were known for sort of their advancements, the Bronze Age, the Iron Age, the Technology Age, the Industrial Age, they were known as their advancements. I'm afraid that if we don't get this right, we're going to be known as the age of outrage, where everybody's mad about something. Everybody's angry. And, and I think this is a great place to just jump down into this question. John chapter 6, verse 61. I'm going to read this, and then we're going to back up and do a whole lot of homework to figure out what happened here. But, but here's the question that Jesus asked, and then I'll give you the context. John chapter 6, verse 61 Here's Jesus' question to his disciples. Does this offend you? So, so can I put my own spin on it? Uh, here's a question for this morning. Um, why are you so angry? Jesus asked his disciples, I got to give you some context, but he asked something that I think is, if we're not careful, this is going to be the age that we're known for, right? Because everybody's offended about something. And I started to preach a message about, you know, let's, let's talk about dealing with offense. But I realized, watch this, that the only person's behavior that I can control is mine. And while there are plenty of crazy folks saying crazy things and doing crazy stuff, and I wanted to come up here and tell you, here's how we fix them. And God says, here's the problem with that. How can you talk about the speck that's in your neighbor's eye when you got a plank in your own? Okay, so I just tell you the reason why I can't give you that sermon this morning is because our flaw finders are faulty. Now, it's easy for me to talk about all the offensive stuff that people have said and done. And Lord knows there are plenty of people who do things and say things that are offensive. But I realize the only person's behavior, the only language I can control is mine. So Jesus asked this question. Uh, why are you so angry? Why, why did that bother you? Come on, let's just think about that because there's some stuff that's said and done that, come on, it just, it makes us angry. It makes me upset. It offends me. And rather than pointing at them, let's just look inside for the next 35 minutes. Jesus asked a simple question to his disciples after he said something to them that made them upset. And I thought about it. Well, for crying out loud, if Jesus is offending folks, what makes you think that your coworker is not going to offend you? Jesus says, does this offend you? In other words, why are you so angry about what's happening? Is there something else that we need to look at? Because maybe we live in an age where it's just cool to, to be outraged. There's this story, and I'm not sure if I told it here or not. If I have, just laugh like it's the first time you heard it. <laughs> there's a story, so you know, like, there's, um, there's this saying that, that uh, music can soothe the savage beast. You heard that story before and so there were some scientists that decided one day to put that to the test. And so they got uh, a world-class uh, musician. She played the violin. She was beautiful. They said, let's test out this theory. So they dropped her off in Africa. And then Serengeti hooked her up to some musical equipment and some speakers and let her play. And she started to play. And sure enough, all these wild animals started running out from the brush. I'm talking about, like, lions and all of these, these animals and rhinoceros. They just, 
and, and the music just started to soothe them, and they all sat down at her feet as she began to play, and they're doing their calculations, and their dad is saying, maybe this is true. Maybe music really does calm the savage beast. And then all of a sudden, an old gray lion runs up out of the brush, jumps up on his hind legs, and with one paw, hits her and knocks her dead. And then the young lions turned around to the old lion and said, hey, man, what are you doing? Can't you hear this beautiful music that she's playing? Why are you so angry? And the old lion said, what did you say? <laughs> Maybe. If y'all didn't catch the acid name on the way home, they'll explain it to you. What if I told you maybe some of our anger is because we're not hearing and seeing things correctly? What if some of the reason I'm so angry is not just because people are doing stuff that is offensive? Come on, there are plenty of things that you can look at on TV and online that are offensive. But what if the real issue is not just that they're doing offensive things? Maybe there's something on the inside of me that I haven't heard or seen things properly. And Jesus, after giving a discourse to his disciples, his own followers, people who followed him around, who he believed was trusting him and believing in him, Jesus said one thing, and the text says a lot of people walked away from Jesus. And Jesus says, did that offend you? I'm sorry. Did I say something wrong? Why are you so angry? So I read this article in uh, Psychology Today, and while I'm not a person who wants to blame everything on social media, I think social media has not caused this. I think it has exposed it. The article goes on to say that it, it was titled, Are We Allowing Social Media to Dictate Our Happiness? And it goes on to make some interesting points. It says that 2 billion people worldwide use some form of social media. I'm one of them. You're probably one of them, too. Then it says 80% of Americans have at least one social media profile. I, I'm, I'm one of those people. And while I don't think that it has caused our anger, I think it has exposed something on the inside of us. So the article says there are two factors in social media reveals. Number one, it says it reveals our hunger for positive feedback. You know how we get caught in that loop. Like my page. Like my posts. Come on now, y'all don't have to just look straight ahead and nobody's going to know I'm talking about you. But don't you feel some kind of way when you post something and the people that are supposed to be following you don't like it, don't comment. Y'all laugh. You know I'm telling the truth. You feel some kind of way like, okay, why are you liking her page? You didn't like my page. I go to church with him. You should have saw that. Didn't you see that scripture I posted? That was deep. Didn't you see that quote? Like it. And now I'm angry because you won't give me positive feedback. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. Just look straight ahead. See, see, somebody look down. Now they're going to know I'm talking about you. Here's the second thing it said. It says that it reveals our hunger for positive feedback. And number two, it reveals our hunger and thirst for instant pleasure. That, that many times, even subconsciously, I put stuff out there because I want to be affirmed. I want applause. I want agreement. Come on now, we're hungry. And I don't think social media has created our anger. I think all it do has done is expose that we want positive feedback 24-7 in our loop. And we want everybody to agree with us, everyone to applaud us, and everybody to be on our side. And I want instant pleasure. And while that's something that social media exposes, I don't think it created it. I think that part of the problem is, and part of the reason why we're so angry, is because maybe we're hungry. Maybe we're hungry for something. And, and maybe that leads us to why Jesus asked 
this question. So I got to give you some context. Do your homework when you get home. You got to start at the beginning of John chapter 6, particularly in verses 1 through 14, when Jesus feeds the 5,000. You remember that story where they were on the hill and Jesus had just got done teaching. And just like church folks after church, we want to eat. And just like some good church folks, they wanted to eat. And the disciples said, man, it would take us uh, years to get all the wages that would feed these people. And Jesus said, go ahead and feed them. And they went ahead and they stole, I mean, they borrowed a little boy's lunch. You remember that? Like, we never got to hear his side of the story. Did he want it? His mom packed him her lunch and y'all just stole. Anyway, Jesus says, go ahead and feed them. And you remember the miracle, Jesus? He, he opened up the biggest uh, Captain D's in the middle of the desert. He had a fish fry, some coleslaw. You know what I'm talking about, hush puppies. Come on now, get with me. And everybody ate and went away full. And then all of a sudden, the text goes on to say that, that Jesus, then he leaves and he started to travel. And, and so then he travels some more. And the next day, the crowds went to look for Jesus because he had fed them. You remember that? Like, like we, we got something. We were hungry. You remember in verse 5, Jesus tells them, they said, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? And then, and then he travels. And in verse uh, chapter 6, verse 26 and 29, let me read this to you because you got to get context of why they were so offended at what Jesus said. Then Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me, watch this, because I fed you. Not because you understood the miraculous signs. We dealt with that on week one, didn't we? Can you believe in Jesus beyond him just performing tricks? He says, the only reason why you're following me is because I fed you. Verse 27, but don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. Verse 28, they reply, we want to perform God's works too. What shall we do? Check this out. Verse 29, Jesus told him, this is the only way God wants from you. Believe in the one who he has sent. So all of a sudden now, Jesus feeds them. They start following him. And we want to know how to do the tricks. We want to know how to get more bread. And Jesus says, here's the only thing you need to do. This is the only work that you need to engage in. Believe in me. But you're so busy trying to get full because you're hungry. And the crowd demanded a sign from, from, from Jesus, if you continue to read, because, watch this, they said, well, Moses gave us manna. You know how it is when people start comparing. Well, my last church did that. The, the last person that God sent, he gave us manna in the middle of the wilderness. We need a sign from you. It's not enough that he just fed 5,000 hungry men, and that wasn't even counting the women and children. I just fed you. Now you're following me, and you're hungry. And they said, well, Moses gave us manna. The least you can do is give us some more bread because we're hungry. And Jesus is like, but you're missing the whole point here that that I'm the person who can give you what you need, that can help you be full. Fast forward to verse 32 and 33 of John chapter 6. I hope you're writing this down because I want you to catch what he does. Verse 32, he says, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. In other words, don't get it twisted. You think that Moses did that. My father did that. 
And now he offers you, watch this, the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. But we want bread. Jesus says, but, but I am the bread. Okay, some of y'all missed it. We're hungry for something, and we want to be fulfilled. And Jesus says, yeah, I can give you all the bread in the world, but until you realize that I'm the one who will fulfill your life, you're going to stay hungry. But Moses gave us manna. It's like this back and forth. And back, you ever been with somebody, and you've just been discussing stuff, and you can't get them to understand, and you just go back and forth and back and forth. And I'm like, I'm trying to live my best life. I'm not going back and forth with you. Jesus saying, look, I'm here. I, I'm the bread. But we're hungry. And Moses, when the people were hungry, gave them food. Fast forward to verse 58 of chapter 6. And then Jesus goes on to say, I am the true bread. It's like they don't get it. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as their ancestors did, even though they ate manna, but I will live forever. In other words, he's saying, yeah, Moses gave them bread, but I'm the true bread. And even though Moses gave them bread, let's do some calculations. They are still dead. Translation, we're hungry. We're following him. Jesus gave us bread. Moses gave us bread. We're hungry for something that will fulfill our souls, that emptiness in our souls. And Jesus keeps telling them, yeah, that's cool, but I'm the bread that you need. I'm all that you need. I want you to get full on me because let's be honest, if you continue to satisfy yourself with other things, you'll end up dead. He says, they, they had manna, but they're still dead. He says, I'm the bread. Don't you guys get it? Like, Jesus insisted that he was the bread sent from heaven. And then all of a sudden, Jesus says something that's really scandalous. He says, um, if you eat this bread, talking about himself, and drink my blood, then you'll have eternal life. That's the PLT, Pastor L translation. But basically, he says, if you eat this bread and drink this blood, you'll have, you'll have eternal life. And all of a sudden, they're like, oh, that's gross. That's like some, some walking dead, vampire, flesh-eating cannibalism. Like, like, that's not cool, Jesus. We just wanted some warm bread. You know, like that Panera bread. You ever eat that, that Panera bread? Like, it's so good. Like, if there's anything I struggle with, it's I love bread. They say, well, how many who want bread? And Jesus says, no, I'm the bread. If you want something to eat that's going to fulfill you, eat this bread. And everybody walked away, and Jesus says, um, are you offended? He said something that offended their sensibilities. Even his disciples says, man, this is hard teaching. Who can accept this? And Jesus said something that offended a whole lot of folks. And John says a lot of people walked away from Jesus that day because he offended them. Okay, so let me ask you a question. What offends you? And why? See, we don't ask that question. I'd rather talk about what everybody else is doing and how crazy people are. And people on social media are just going nuts and people are tweeting crazy things and, and it's offensive and politics are offensive and race is offensive and all this stuff is offensive. I get it. There's plenty of stuff that's offensive. But Jesus says maybe the reason why you're offended is not just because they say offensive stuff. Maybe deep down the reason why you're offended at everything, maybe the reason why you and I are so angry is because we're so hungry. 
See, I'm hungry for, for something. Jesus says something that is hard to hear. And I got to tell you, if Jesus is going to say stuff that's hard to hear, you best believe that people that are not Jesus are going to say stuff that's hard to hear. But why are you so angry? Why, why are we so mad? And Jesus says that it's, it's not just about the bread. There's something on the inside of you. See, the offense didn't start with what he said. The offense started because they were starving. There's something that I want that I'm not getting. And every time I go to somebody to be filled or fulfilled and they don't agree with me or they don't applaud me. Come on now. Remember, we said social media exposes the fact that I'm hungry for applause. I'm hungry for affirmation. I'm hungry for somebody to agree with me. And the moment I don't get that need fit, filled, the moment that I don't get what I need to fill my belly because you want to agree with me, you want to applaud me, you want to affirm me. And because I'm so doggone hungry and I can't get fulfilled off of your agreement, your applause and your affirmation and all of a sudden now I'm angry because I'm really hungry I just want you to like me and agree with me and give me all the pat me on the back and tell me how awesome I am can I just give you uh, a real a real check here everybody in this world is not going to agree with you everybody is not going to affirm you everybody is not going to applaud you if you're waiting on somebody to be the fulfillment for your life because they agree with you they applaud you and they affirm you can I just tell you you're going to be hungry and thirsty for a long time matter of fact just bump your neighbor and say stop being so thirsty like, like you want everybody to agree with you. Jesus says something that's offensive and they walked away. And Jesus says it's not because of what I said. It's because, let's be honest, as human beings, we're starving. I need somebody to, to agree with me. I need somebody to affirm me. Can I just say this? My anger may actually be the result of my hunger. Don't get me wrong. There are people who are going to say crazy stuff. And some of it is offensive. And some of it, we should have righteous indignation. But come on now, we are living in the age of outrage. You can't hardly say good morning to somebody without them flipping out. Everybody's mad. What happened to civility and decency and, and kindness? What happened to us living out our Christian faith where I didn't need you to applaud me, affirm me, or agree with me in order for me to treat you right? Jesus says, you're offended. Yeah, I get it. But what if your offense is not because of what I said? What if your offense is really because deep down inside, my anger is actually the result of my hunger? And we've been trying to feed on a lot of stuff. I don't know if, you, if you've noticed this, right? Uh, we have access to multiple feeds. You know what I'm talking about, right? Got my Twitter feed. You ever wonder why they call them feeds? I got my Twitter feed. I got my Facebook feed. I got my, my news feed. Come on now, all of my mobile devices, all of these sources, you want to know why they call them feed? Because it's designed to address your hunger. And the reason why I jump up in the morning, the first thing I got to do is get my phone or get on the computer and go to my feed is because maybe I'm feeding because on the inside I'm hungry. So I go to my Twitter feed to see who liked my post last night because I posted something real deep and I had a picture and everything. You know how we do, like we take a snapshot of a scripture and we set a nice mug to it and hashtag bless, hashtag early morning devotional, hashtag, you know what I'm saying, right? 
Hashtag prayer time. I want everybody to see how spiritual I am because I'm hungry. And all I want you to do is I want you to feed me. I want you to give me what I want. I want you to affirm me. I want you to agree with me. And the moment I don't get it, I starve. And maybe I'm not. Maybe the issue is not that people are saying stuff offensive, and they are. But come on, let's ask ourselves, why am I so angry? Why can't I get along? Why do I let people suck me into their stuff? I heard an old person, older person one time I was mentoring me said, when you wrestle in the mud with the pig, both of you get dirty. The only difference is the pig likes it. I'm going to let that marinate for just... For just a second. Maybe I need to say that again. When you wrestle in the mud with the pig, both of y'all going to get dirty. The only thing is the pig actually likes it. But what, what if I understood that all the stuff that was offensive and all the things that I felt the need to respond to and all the arguments I felt like I needed to jump in and all the time somebody says something that's different from my political view or somebody says something that's different from my religious view. What if I understood that maybe they want me to jump in the mud with them because they like it? So let me ask you again, why are you so mad? Look at you. You mad. I don't get paid to argue with you. <laughs> like we're living in the age of outrage. Everybody's mad about something. Yeah. It's gotten to the point where I can't even hardly say good morning. How are you doing? How was your day? I can't even say, you know, like we live in this age of outrage. And I'm afraid, my brothers and sisters, that if we don't get this together, that we're going to be known for the age of madness. Every other generation before us will be known for great things, for crafting great things, for building great things, for inventing great things, for being the type of people who moved our society forward. And you know what we're going to be known for? That group was a bunch of angry folks. That's all our children and our grandchildren might remember us by. So I'm going to get in your business again. Why, why are you so mad? What was it about what he said or what she said or what they said. Why are you so mad when it seems like somebody else is getting something that you don't feel like they deserve? Come on now. Like we can project and say that it's because of them, but let's do some internal work because Jesus said something that was offensive, but it really wasn't because it was offensive. It was because they were hungry. Is my anger a result of my hunger? Is there something that I need that I'm going to people to give me that they're not qualified to give me? Do, do I need to be agreed with? And, and do I continue to go to these feeds because my heart is hungry? I said this before. Here's things that I believe that we're so hungry for. We are hungry for agreement. I want everybody to agree with me. Matter of fact, I tell people, you know, we really wouldn't have any conflict if you would just realize that I'm right and you're wrong. Right? You're laughing, but isn't that how we do life? I'm right and you're wrong. And if you could just see how wrong you are, then we will always get along. We will never fight, never have conflict. The problem is you're wrong and you don't see it. Just agree with me because I know everything. 
Right? But let me ask you a question. Are we hungry for that? Let's zero it down. Even in our relationships and our marriages and our families, with our coworkers, for those intimate relationships. Come on, let's be honest. Most of the time, we fight and we don't even remember what we fought about because the goal is not for it to be right. The goal is for me to be right. Jesus deals with this one time when he tells them, he says, you can, you can look at the sky and tell what the weather's going to be. He says, you can tell when it's going to be hot and you can tell when it's going to be cold. He says, you have an ability to discern the weather unless you live in Georgia. <laughs> and he says, check this out. He says, fools. He calls them fools. He says, why can't you decide, watch this, not who is right, but what is right? Come on now, we, we, we know this. Can I just bowl down my husband's lane, all those who are husbands? Because you don't understand why your wife is mad with you when you come home and then you, all of a sudden you want everything to be clicking like this. And it's like she's been dealing with this and dealing with that and she's been working and she's been doing that and you come home and you don't understand. And, and Jesus is saying, uh, can't you inter interpret the environment? In other words, he says, you fool. You lose it about the storm when you came through the door talking crazy. Why can't you decide not who is right, but what is right? Have we lost that in our culture where everybody wants to be right? It's no longer about what is right, it's about who is right. And maybe the reason why I'm so doggone angry is because deep down inside I have this hunger for agreement. I have this hunger to be right. I'm right, you're wrong. And it doesn't matter if I have facts, data, it doesn't even matter what it is. I'm just hungry for you to agree with me. And let's be honest, what's offending you is because they don't agree with you. What's offending me is because you have a different perspective. You have a different life. You grew up different from I have. You, you have a totally different perspective because of where you were born. And I'll be honest with you, the reason why I'm angry is because you're not me. We're hungry for, hungry for agreement. I think we're also hungry for applause. I say that we live in the age of the spiritual participation trophy. No shade to anybody who grew up and got participation trophies. <laughs> right? I want you to come back next week, though. But like my generation, we didn't, you didn't get credit for showing up. Right? We have created a culture where everybody's hungry for applause. Look at me. Look what I've done. Like I had to, I had to talk to a dad one time. He says, well, I take care of my kids. I'm like, you want a trophy? <laughs> You're supposed to take care of your kids. You don't get credit for taking care of the kids that you help make. Right. <laughs> like, where did they do that? But our culture is hungry for applause. Look at me. Look how fabulous I am. Pat me on the back. Look what I've done. And most of the stuff, watch this, that we want applause for is average at best. It's just because I showed up. Why come to church, Pastor? You're supposed to. You don't get credit for that. We live in an age where we want applause for being average. And maybe the reason why I'm hungry or angry is because I'm hungry. Applaud me. Look at me. I'm doing great. Hercules, 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 Hercules. <laughs> Y'all silly. Be spiritual. 
We got guests coming in a few weeks. Y'all don't act over there. <laughs> We're hungry. We're hungry for agreement. We're hungry for applause. We are hungry, watch this, for affirmation. Can I just tell you, there's nothing wrong with being hungry for affirmation. There's nothing wrong with for being hungry for being appreciated. All of us want to be appreciated. Here's the problem. Here's what offended the people is that Jesus was saying that I've got a way to fulfill that need and you keep ignoring it. And maybe the reason why I'm so angry is because I'm so hungry and Jesus is saying, I have a way to make sure that your hunger for affirmation and your hunger for applause and your hunger for accolades is met. I'm the poor. If you want to be fulfilled, if you want to live this life not being hungry, stop running after folks who will never affirm you, who will never agree with you. If you want that, Jesus says, I'm the bread. Eat this. If you eat this, you will live. You will live a real, true life if you realize that all that you need, all the affirmation that you need was given to you when I died on the cross. I said this a couple weeks ago. Anyone who would die for everyone, shows you that no one is a nobody. You are somebody, even if they don't agree with you, even if they don't affirm you, even if they don't acknowledge you. You don't have to be so thirsty running after what everybody else's opinion because God told you you ought to die for. And the thing that makes me not so angry is knowing that I might be hungry, but I know you can't feed me. Your opinion and your agreement and your affirmation and your acknowledgement is not enough to fill that empty hole in my heart. As a matter of fact, Jesus says it like this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. I'm going to read from the NIV. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Don't miss that. He says, if you hunger for the right stuff, he'll fill you. Maybe I'm going to get hungry because I want everybody else to love me and everybody else to agree with me and everybody else to affirm me. And maybe some of the reason why I'm angry is because you want to agree with me. You want to affirm me. You want to acknowledge me. You want to applaud me. And I keep going to my feeds trying to get people to feel that emptiness in my heart. And Jesus says, there's something that you got to know. I'll fill you if you hunger for the right stuff. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be Filled. You want to stop being so angry? Hunger after Jesus. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Stop letting people dictate your happiness because they won't agree with you. You want to be fulfilled? Get hungry for me. He says, Moses, he gave a manna, but they're still dead. You eat this, you'll live forever. You won't worry about what people think about you. Can I just say this to you? God is only responsible for accommodating appropriate appetites. If I hunger for anything other than Jesus, if my top priority is what they think of me and they're agreeing with me and they're acknowledging me, I'll be angry for the rest of my life. But he says, if you have an appropriate appetite, I'll fill it. Who do I want to be pleased? Jesus. Who do I want to be in agreement with? Jesus. Who do I want to shape my life? Jesus. I'm sorry. I love y'all, but my number one priority is not whether or not you agree with me or you acknowledge me or you applaud me. My number one priority is I want to hunger and thirst for his righteousness because that's the only shot I got in this world at living a life that's fulfilling. And if I don't want to be angry, I got to deal with my hunger. I'm almost done. There's a story of these two brothers, and this is around Easter time, so I'm going to tell you this. They were, they were dying uh, Easter eggs, 
And the older brother says to the younger brother, he says, man, I'll give you $100 if you let me crack three of these eggs over your head. So the little brother's thinking, like, that's 100 bucks. I can deal with that. So he says, sure. They shake on it. Older brother cracks one egg over his head, and the cold yolk starts running. Can you feel it? The cold yolk's just running down his face. And he's, he's angry, but he's like, ah, just two more. I'm going to get, it's going to pay off. And so the older brother reaches down the cart and cracks another head o- egg over his head, and the cold yolk is running down on top of the other. It's dripping. It's all in his ears. It's just, and he's getting angry, but he's like, just one more. And 30 seconds pass, and the, brother, the older brother doesn't crack the third egg. And he asks, the little brother asks the older brother, aren't you going to crack the third egg? And the older brother says, no, because that would cost me $100. <laughs> Here's my point. How many of us are waiting on somebody else to do something else that we think is going to pay off and it doesn't. How many people am I looking to applaud me on the back? You know that supervisor and that coworker or that family member that you've been waiting for their approval and their applause and you're waiting for the payoff? And can I be honest with you? You may never get it. And then you end up with egg on your face, pun intended. <laughs> Jesus says, I'm the bread. Verse 35. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. In our house we bought um, last year, (laughs) we have a a smart house because I'm not. And so, like, the smart house will tell you everything that you need to do, right? And so, uh, it's, it's springtime, and so you want, you know, you have all the pollen, you have... And what the house will tell me, it'll send me a notification on the app um, that it's time to change the filter. Like, if you don't want all that stuff that's in the air getting through and getting to you, it's time to change the filter. And sometimes I ignore it and it just keeps bugging me. It's time to change the filter. Can I just tell you, for some of us who are so angry, Jesus says it might be time to change your filter. Because if you read it, he says that human flesh gives it brings no, no rewards, no, no effort. It's, it does nothing for you. I'm the bread. He says, if you try to do this, and then he goes on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me except the, by the Father. If the Father sends him to me, in other words, Jesus says, I said something that offended you. You're so hungry, you're not even listening to what I'm saying. Here's the filter. If you're going to come to me, the Father's got to send you. Can I just make an announcement this morning? There's some stuff that you need to put in between you and all the folks that are offending you because you need a new filter. If you don't want all that stuff to get to you to poison your heart, to poison your mind, stop letting your flesh be your filter and let the Father be the filter. You can't get to me because you got to go through my daddy first. What he says about me is what matters. How he feels about me is what matters. Whether you agree with me or not, God says I'm one of his children and God now becomes my filter. Don't filter people through your flesh. Filter people through your faith. You want to stop being so angry? Stop being so hungry. Because the people that we're dealing with, they're going to say crazy stuff. But I promise you, it's not just them. Some of that is because I'm hungry for something that they can't give me. Jesus says, you want to stop being angry? Stop being hungry. Let me be the person who fulfills 
all your needs to be affirmed. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this opportunity. God, we thank you for this moment to examine our own selves in a world full of outrage where everyone is angry and mad about something. And God, you know that there are many things that we have to face on a daily basis that are upsetting, that are offensive. But help us not to focus so much on trying to control other people's behavior. Help us to understand what's the source of my anger. And maybe it's because I'm hungry. Maybe I'm hungry for affirmation and applause. Maybe I'm hungry to be affirmed. But Jesus, you said that you are the bread of life. That if there's anyone who is hungry, instead of going to everyone else, instead of going to their Twitter feed and their Facebook feed and their, their news feed and their Instagram feed, instead of feeding everywhere else, you told us to feed on you. And that you'll satisfy our soul so that we won't go looking to fulfill that desire in all the wrong places. And so God, as we pray now and prepare to approach the table, we pray, God, that you would make this a reminder for us that as we eat this bread that is a symbol of Jesus' broken body, and as we drink this cup that is a symbol of his shed blood, that we don't have to hunger and thirst for other people's affirmation, that this is our moment to remember that you affirmed us by allowing your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. God, we thank you so much that you sent us bread from heaven, that if we eat from it, it will cure our hunger, which will in turn cure our anger. God, we thank you and we love you so much. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.